This is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 104 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode The Life of CEC. Uh, And just to remind you guys, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. So go there, leave a comment, let me know how I'm doing, how I can improve, things like that. Or you could go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, write me a line, let me know what you think of the show. Um, Or... Go to iTunes, Apple iTunes, and subscribe to the podcast. It's the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson. So go there. Let me know what you think of the show. Uh, I'm also on the Google Play Store. So again, go there. And I am not familiar with uh, Google and the Play Store and how that works. But like and subscribe. Do what you would normally do there. Uh, I'm an Apple guy. Sorry. So do that. Uh, Let me know how I'm doing. Again, leave a comment, things like that. Or uh, find me on Twitter at JustLittleJail. So I'm calling this episode uh, uh, The Life of CEC because that's my mother's name, Colleen Elaine Carlson. And I went back just like I did with my father and I listened to the old podcast where I talked about my mother's uh, death, actually. And I did take some notes and kind of take away some stuff. And I went to the Edwards Memorial website in um, my uh, where I left the obituary for her when she passed. So uh, I basically did a little bit of research for this episode, and I did find that I was incredibly uh, negative. And everything I said in that podcast is true. I was not as close with my mother as my father, but I think with time and me having more therapy under my belt and me being able to reflect on my mom that I think it was... um, I don't know, I have more perspective on, I think, my mom's life and I think my feelings towards my mom uh, because of the therapy and things that I've gone through. I don't think uh, as negatively about my mom. I mean, obviously, if you go back and listen, uh, it was I originally published the episode on uh, June uh, 20, 24th. Uh, it's on my website. Go there. Uh, it's about, well, it is 37 minutes and 9 seconds. Um and I, I really was angry, and I talked a lot about her death, but I want to talk more about her life, just like I did with my father, because, again, I think the obituary could have been better. I was grieved when I wrote it. And, um, you know, I went through some pictures of my mom when she passed. Um, I can't find them again. My wife and I have made a pack. We have to go through our closet, and, and I, I really want to do maybe some kind of, like, collage. You know, they have those portraits of uh, pictures you can do like a collage of different things I might do that with each parent but um, we got to go through that um, I do have some photos of her uh, when we were younger but I, I think what I'm trying to say is I have more perspective on my feelings towards my mom and um, again when I did the podcast originally I was very negative and so I want to talk more about my mom's life now and less about her death, because it is tragic the way she died. But I think her life was um, interesting, and she deserves uh, more than 100 words in an obituary, which, again, Edwards Memorial is very good because they do not charge you uh, for their obituary. That becomes a free service, and I was able, even to this day, even though I posted that over a year and a half ago or whatever, I was able to go through and look at that obituary. So it's up for everybody, you know, forever basically so you can go look at 
loved ones and see what people wrote about them. There is a guest book, so you can write comments for people. So let me talk about my mother, uh, Colleen Elaine Carlson. She was born on uh, November 21st, uh, 1952, and she passed away on July 11th, 2017. Um, so basically, just like my father, this is me looking through old photos of my mom and hearing about her life. My grandmother, um, Marie Louise Fiddler, uh, my mom's maiden name was Fiddler. Uh, she had a brother, Stephen Fiddler. Uh, and my grandmother, her mother, uh, was a character. And the only reason I bring up my grandmother because... Whenever my grandmother and mother were together, they drove each other crazy, like most parents do to their kids when they're older. But um, they were—they would still make each other laugh. And some of the things about my mom that I found out later actually came from my grandma before my grandma passed away. She would tell me things about my mom's life. Uh, I mean, her life and my mom's life and what my mom did. Uh, my uncle uh, passed away, my mom's brother, Stephen Fiddler. He passed away when I was about 14. Uh, he uh, had an overdose, which was terrible. And I remember it really affected my mom because she obviously had an estranged relationship with her brother because he was in and out of rehab. He relapsed. Uh, he was trying to beat addiction. Uh, and it, it affected my mom a lot because she did love, you know, she loved her brother. And... Uh, it was rough when he died. It was rough on her. It was rough on my grandmother. Um, they wanted, you know, my grandma cried and said, I want my son back after he died because we were in California when he passed. And, um, I, you know, I, I think as an early age, my mom actually was pretty happy. Uh, she wore some pretty, I mean, everything's in black and white, the photos. But my grandmother really dressed her to the nines. She looked really good in a lot of those photos. She was playing. Uh, she hung out with her brother a lot. My brother, or my uncle, was in and out of the hospital. Uh, he had a leg, some like club foot or pigeon toed, and they did lots of surgeries. And you know, if you hear about these horror stories back in the day of surgeries, uh, they were still figuring stuff. I mean, they're still figuring stuff out to this day, but it was really rudimentary back then. And he had to go in for like all these surgeries for his uh, pigeon, I think he was pigeon toed, or he had a club foot. And it was weird. So every photo I see of my uncle and my mother together, uh, he's got a cast around his foot. And my mom's happy because she told me that every time they went to the hospital, uh, they would get ice cream, usually, to make Steve feel better. And uh, anybody with siblings out there knows you can't just give ice cream to the one kid. I don't have siblings, but I get the idea of the equity of the situation of, well, you can't just give ice cream to the daughter. You're going to give it to the son because it looks unfair. So my mom just got ice cream whenever my uncle was in the hospital. So she said it was great. Um, and like I said, those early photos, she's really happy. She's playing a lot. And then it's kind of a big gap with her photos. I remember looking and seeing her in high school, which, uh, you know, isn't bad. She had the beehive hairdo. You know, those ones that are like so tall. You're like, how, how much time? And I remember asking my mother, how much time did that take to do that to your hair? And she goes, oh, a lot. And, and I said, was it worth it? And she said, nah. I don't know. I don't really think, you know, but everybody's doing it. So you just, this is what we do. This is the style. This is what we, you know, and I just thought that's, that's too much. I don't think from what I could see, she was involved in many clubs, uh, with school. Uh, she kind of just went to school and came home. Uh, she had to do homework and all this stuff, like the normal stuff you'd have to do when you're in high school. Um, but she didn't, this is one thing, a theme that I'll come up, which I think early on, I was very negative of my mom, but I think I see it in me too, which you know, thanks, Ron, for passing this along. My mother had a lot of hobbies. 
and I do too. Um, but I don't think she found the one thing where she was like, this is it. This is what I want to do uh, with the rest of my life. And if she did find something like that, it was taken away. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I t- see this early on in her talking about high school of like trying this and trying that, not really being in a club, just like I think she was in she was into knitting, obviously, when she got older, like all these little hobbies. And um, yeah, like I think she drew for a bit. She wanted to be a librarian, which I can't see my mom being a librarian. But she said at the time it was a viable thing to be a librarian. You got benefits and things like that. It was good. Um, but again, in these early photos, she's pretty happy. I talked to a cousin of ours that was very close to my mom. Uh, she was about the same age as my mom. So after my mom passed, uh, she gave me a lot of the inside scoop on my mom. And it wasn't terrible. She said my mom did like to party, which is something that my grandmother liked to do, her mother. Uh, and so it kind of, I guess, runs in the family, partying, apparently on that side of the family. Uh, and years later, I remember my mother asking my grandmother, or telling my grandmother, you know, this date, remember when we went to this thing for high school and we were supposed to be at the dance? Yeah, I snuck out and went drinking. And my grandma's like, I know, because I did the same thing. Um, and so it was interesting to see that generational thing of, you know, you think, you always hear those stories of, you know, when you grow up, uh, you think you're clever and you're pulling the wool over your parents' eyes. And then when you get older, you realize that your parents actually had lives before you and they did all the dumb stuff that you did uh, when they were your age. And uh, they're savvy, man. They're smart. They're like, did you know, Mom, that I snuck out and did X, Y, and Z? And your parents are like, of course I did, because I did it. I did the same thing as you, and that's exactly what my mom did. She would try to sneak out and party, and my grandmother would be like, I knew what you were doing because I did that same thing when I was your age. So, you know, nice try. Um, but later on, uh, my mom was actually married before she married my father. Uh, but from what I heard from my cousin, the marriage was terrible, Um it sounds like my mom had a miscarriage or something. Uh, that was kind of unsubstantiated, but she was very interested when Carla and I got a, when, when Carla had her first miscarriage. And I don't mean in some weird, morbid way, but she seemed to perk up or maybe understand what was going on. And my mom's family, the cousin and some other family members, couldn't really corroborate that. But I asked several times, you know, I don't have a sibling somewhere I don't know about. And um, absolutely not. Uh, the marriage, uh, my mom's first marriage, the guy was abusive um, physically and emotionally. And my mom had to get out of the relationship. And uh, her cousin helped get her out. And she was very young. I think she got married when she was like 17 or 18, which we consider really young. And it only lasted a year or two. And then she got, uh, well, I don't know if she was 17 or 18, but I know she was very young. And it, uh, again, these are based off pictures and like random stories. Um, but she got out. She bettered herself and got out of the relationship. So, I mean, that's good. If you, you know, are in that situation, remember you can get out. My mom's life was completely different uh, after that. Um, and then she kind of went to work, bounced around doing like clerical stuff at offices and things. Uh, she did like to crunch numbers though, and she became a bookkeeper later on. But, as time went on, again, this is where I think um, she uh, and I share so much of, but she um, had a lot of hobbies and wanted to do certain things. And just like me, I'm finding out as I get older, I'm having more reflection, but I find out, hey, I can't do X, Y, and Z. 
And I think my mom was always trying to find those things that she could do and complete. Um, she liked bookkeeping, but obviously to get more money in bookkeeping, you need to be a certified public accountant. And she, um, she couldn't do it. I remember her coming home and crying because they would make you take these really weird classes. She had no problem with math, which is weird. I think she got really mad because I'm terrible at math. And I think she got mad when I brought math homework. I'm not mad. Maybe she was mad. I don't know. But I think I brought math homework home and was, uh, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. And she was like, well, why can't you just get my matching and just make this easier? Like she was kind of fed up and didn't understand why I couldn't get math. Um, but I remember her going to college, community college, to try to get, uh, become a certified public accountant. And they would make you take classes like anthropology, like all these weird elective classes. And she'd come home crying because she couldn't pass these things that were non-math related. And uh, the professor would fail her because she would have to write a paper. And it would be terrible. And she didn't like it because it wasn't math related. But she had to do it. And it was crushing. Um, I had the same thing, I guess, nowadays where I wanted to be a musician when I was young. But then I realized I can't play the guitar or an instrument worth crap. And I'm still playing. I'm still messing around. But I kind of realized, hey, this is for me. This is a hobby that I'm going to mess around with. I'm not going to be touring with the band anymore. I'm not going to be in Europe in a van with groupies around. And I don't mean in the sexual way. I mean just like fans around. That's not me, man. I'm not going to do it. But I'm still going to try to play guitar and at least string some chords together and make a song. And if I could just do that in my den or my living room or maybe for my wife, uh, that's good enough. Um, but I think my mom had that same thing where I really want to be a certified public accountant and she couldn't do it because she did love crunching numbers. That was like her one thing. She had a job in Seattle working for a maritime company uh, and they were kind of all over the place, this company. They rented ships to people to like charter ships where you can actually like go out through the Puget Sound and go around the Sound and you could rent a captain uh, and then you would go through and they would do like these pleasure sailings through the Sound and you'd see the sights. Uh, they did scientific ones. Um, I don't want to really say the name of the company. Uh, plus they let her go. So it was their loss because my mom, when she got that job, I remember I met her, I was old enough. And also I could tell that this was like her dream job. Not only was she dealing with numbers, which she loved, but she really liked the people she worked for. She worked tons of hours. It was a full-time job she had that she really enjoyed. And they gave her a lot of responsibility, which she seemed to thrive in. But uh, she said she came in for a review, and she didn't have a review except for every year. And she'd been doing the job for a couple of years. And during the reviews, they kept saying, oh, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. Uh, and, of course, this is her telling me this so I don't know if this is true but she said one time they had her in the office and they let her go and she said she kind of saw the writing on the wall because they brought somebody in paid them um you know x amount of dollars and she had to train them to do her job and so that's usually the red flag of "Ooh, this is not um you know this is not going to end well they're making me train someone to do my job and they're paying them less um she she did tell me that they had pared that down and that she had like eight responsibilities in her job and she loved it and she worked all these hours and then they started paring down her responsibilities and now she's like, well, I only do four out of the eight things that I used to do and I really like all the things I do. But she did go to school and she did try to better herself and I think that was a big thing um, you know, of her. And like a lot of us, I think 
with my mother especially, and I have this a little bit, but I'm, I think, better now and more emotionally capable of reassessing the situation saying, well, I can't do X, but I can do Y. Um, I wanted to be a cool filmmaker and make movies and do stuff like that and be a director, writer. And then after I wrote the script and there was, you know, I, I've made one bad movie. I've gone on record as saying that. After going through the writing process and going through directing and casting and all that, I realized, you know what? I just want to write. I just want to string a sentence together and try to make it mean something. And I'm doing that now. Uh, will I ever direct a film? No, probably not. Um, you know, never say never, but no, as it stands right now. But I think for my mom, she cast a wide net in her brain. Like, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I think when that didn't work out, she was crushed. And I wish she was around now uh, to tell her, Mom, I love you. Listen, you're not going to be a CPA, but what training can you get that is kind of around the edges of CPA that could better yourself? You know, maybe there is a course she could take, uh, another math course, another business course, something that would be maybe one class here, one class there, that would at least give her that feeding that hunger of wanting to crunch numbers and things like that. And, but, you know, I think, like I said, I'm doing that now. And I wish, uh, I, I think she had that kind of like depressed, I didn't, I didn't get it. So what's the point? And this happened even later in her life. Uh, she was overweight. Um, but she went to the gym with some friends, a friend, and they started to work out and lose weight. And it was pretty amazing to see the change in her. Uh, not only was she losing weight, but um, again, it was a thing of she would be uh, totally tired from working from the day. And she would say, I would come home and just shut down. And I have been, myself, have been um, totally, uh, I've done the same thing. But she said when she worked out and had something to do, she had more energy she her attitude improved. She wasn't uh, as depressed, I'll say. I mean, going through therapy now and understanding a little bit about depression, maybe she was kind of wallpapering over the cracks a bit, but she seemed to be having a better attitude. And she said, now I have more energy to do things. Like before, I would like bring the groceries in and I'd be exhausted. And now I am uh, vibrant. I have energy all day. I'm invigorated. You know, I can do this. I can do that. And I just want to keep going. And she had purpose to do that. And so even later on when our relationship was strained, I would go over there and we would watch movies. We would we did do uh, walks together down the block to get her dog out and about. I walked my dogs a few times, but um, her dog is very territorial. She didn't really socialize it with other animals. Um, but we walked and talked, and that was really good. It was good to talk with my mom about things, um, like not related to fixing things or, you know, um, her... Because again, she did have this thing, and I do this a little bit. Listening is hard. Really listening to people is difficult, and I'm trying to get better about that. Um, I, of course, have to make strides, but my mom was really bad at that. I think my dad was actually really good at that, and my mom was really bad. So I think I'm somewhere in the middle because I learned from both of them that, you know, um, listening is hard. And I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was two people that were in recovery uh, in AA, like my father, and they talked about that idea of, really sitting and listening to someone tell something really terrible, like really, really terrible, and just listening to them and taking it in and not having the impulse to say something 
when you have absolutely nothing to add to the conversation. And that hit pretty hard, that realization that, um, you know, uh, I, I don't have to talk. <laughs> like, I, I can sit and listen to this person tell me something really bad and just say, you know, I'm sorry. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, a, a lot of people um, don't like social media for obvious reasons. Sometimes it's a horrible place. But I do think there's genuine moments where people will reach out and say, listen, I'm in the hospital. I really need some good vibes. I'm not doing well. Um, and just to reach out and say, I'm sorry this happened to you. I hope you feel better. To me, that is a glimmer of hope in a dark place. Um, and it's stuff like that. I've also had great interactions with people on Twitter just saying, hey, I really read this thing you did or heard you on this podcast or whatever, and I really liked what you said. It was great, man. Hey, have a good weekend. Just something like that. And someone's like, hey, you too, you know? Um, that kind of stuff is great. I talked to somebody on Twitter about uh, the Star Wars miniature games years ago, and it was a great interaction, like back and forth. And everybody, rightfully so, has big problems with social media, you know, Twitter especially. Um, but I like to see the positive in it. It's a good way to get your message out. Um, also, uh, as an aside, uh, there's a thing called you are rad, uh, which I talked about last episode. Um, and it is an organization paying for therapy sessions. I put it on there. Please go there, um, and donate. Also, I was part of a charity drive. I forgot to bring this up and I know this is a massive aside, but I want to bring this up now. I was part of a charity drive for Jasper's day, which is a suicide prevention event. And they tied it in with D and D and I played D&D, and I just heard that they raised over $100,000 for the Jasper's Day Suicide Prevention Awareness Organization, and that is amazing. And I bring this up now. It may seem as a side, but I found out when my mom was really sick and went into the hospital, get checked out and everything, uh, I think I mentioned it before, but she, it was just such a lightning rod moment when the doctor was talking about her medication and he mentioned one of them. I don't remember the one, but I said, isn't that an antidepressant? And he said, yes, it is. And I said, oh, mom, I didn't even know you were on antidepressants, you know? And I said, and then I asked her because it was before therapy. It was before my kind of emotional, you know, I've changed emotionally. This is before all this happened. You know, my dad had passed away. I was still angry about that. But I said, why are you on antidepressants? And she said, you know, Joe, all this is so hard. It's so hard to deal with all this. And yeah. It is hard to deal with all this. And I think if I was in a different place emotionally, if she was in a different place emotionally, if maybe we could have talked about it, things could have been much different. And I'm not going to put all the blame on myself. I'm not going to martyr myself and say, man, if I was only there for my mom. But my mom and I never talked about this stuff. If my mom would have said, Joe, I'm having a tough day. You know, can I just talk? Because one thing that didn't, that hasn't changed, and I brought it up in the episode um, five, the first episode I did of my mom uh, that came out on my website, um, she did mostly call for me to fix things or do some kind of labor in the house, and that was frustrating. So, um, you know, it is frustrating, but I think if we had discussions that didn't have to involve things being broken, fixed, things that needed to be changed. It was really about how we were feeling. We would have had a much different relationship. And I'll say right now, lately, I have greatly missed uh, my mother. 
a lot. Um, I've had a lot of dreams about her. And I don't think it's a thing of like, we had better times in the dreams. I didn't rewrite history. Um, I brought it up and I'll bring it up again. Uh, and hopefully this is the last time I bring it up. You know what? I'm not even going to apologize. Years ago, uh, my mom and I went on a road trip to see my grandmother in California. And we drove together. Um, and I've told this story again, but I, I keep having this reoccurring dream where we're on that road trip, where we're driving from Washington State to California. Uh, my grandmother was in Bakersfield, which is near, I say near, but it's, I guess, near LA-ish, 100 miles away, something like that. So the LA area of uh, California, but it's the desert. Um, but uh, I keep having this reoccurring dream while we're on this road trip because, as I mentioned before, the road trip was really nice. I talked to my mom we had a good relationship. We talked a little bit about our feelings, not much, because enough time had passed uh, where I had decided to move into my father. I was in my 20s, I think. So it had been eight years or so since I decided to move in my dad. We were able to talk about it. I know that really fractured our relationship because she always wanted to know why I decided to move in with my dad. And I told her I just wanted it to be quiet, that I got along with my dad. But I think, again, she took that as a um, failure, maybe. And maybe that's another reason why she shut down a little bit emotionally, you know, and didn't engage just with me. It's because she thought, well, he chose somebody else, you know, which was true. But that doesn't negate the relationship I had with my mom. And I think we both just did the same thing where we passively just walked away, which is bad. But I keep having this dream where we, especially this one moment of the dream where we were going from rest stop to rest stop, switching off driving, you know, it's thousands of miles. And we stopped and we played a board game, which is weird because my mom didn't play a lot of board games. She played Stratego, which by the way, my mom had some mad Stratego skills. Let me tell you guys, I don't think I beat her. I don't think I beat her once. I couldn't beat my grandmother, her mother at Rummy. Uh, she was a Rummy champ. Not to say that I'm great at Rummy, but I just couldn't beat her. And my grandma kept saying, do you want a rematch? Of course I do. Did I win? No. My mother played Stratego like crazy and had mad Stratego skills. Uh, if you don't know Stratego, it's like a poor man's chess where the point, you have soldiers, they have point values, they're facing you. Uh, you don't see, all you see is the other side of the enemy. Uh, you attack and have to declare what number your piece is. The higher, like one will be to two, you know, two will be to nine. Each piece has a handle, something they do, um, and it's a strategy game. It's great. I guess back in the day, my mom said she played it with her brother, and the pieces were carved out of wood. Nowadays, they're just plastic. I have a Stratego board game thing. It's pretty crazy. Um, you can put bombs on the board to kill people. You can rescue people if you get to the back of the board, like checkers. Um, check out Stratego, but my mom was a Stratego master. That's just what she did. She could do that. She was great at it. It was amazing. Uh, she, uh, I couldn't beat her, but we were playing this board game. It wasn't Stratego. It was another Star Wars board game, which is weird because my mom was a closet sci-fi fan. You know, she quietly liked all sci-fi and all that kind of stuff, but we just had a nice time. I remember it was like a beautiful spring day. Even I think we were in Cali and it wasn't that hot yet. It was like maybe 80 something. And we were in the shade and we were playing and it was just so nice. Um, and it was just a pleasant afternoon. We bought food. Or we brought food with us, you know. So we had like a picnic at the on the picnic table. And it's one of the memories of my mom when I was older and old enough to realize 
like to appreciate the, you know, what was happening. The stillness of the wind, the fact that we were talking and making each other laugh. Uh, I don't know who, I think I won the board game, but I had played it several times and she hadn't played it. But I remember her being really honest going, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that again. Um, and I remember at the time, that's kind of all I wanted from my mom. I wanted her to appreciate something I was doing, even if it was just a board game. Like, hey, mom, I like this board game. I played it a lot. Do you, you know, do you want to play it with me? And, you know, yes, I do. And she did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of my big emotional epiphany with my mom is like, for me, I do a little bit and I put some things off. I should focus on more things. But I think as I get older, I think some of it is not um, deflation or defeatism. It's the idea, it is, it's not that, I don't think life is all or nothing, you know, and especially your goals. You can reevaluate everything and say, well, I'm not going to be an astronaut, but what can I do in the space program? Oh, maybe I'm just really into science. Maybe I can study science or something and really be, you know, I'm good with math. I can't be an astronaut. Maybe I can be a physicist, you know, or maybe I can be an engineer. So um, I think stuff like that is invaluable. The idea, like me, I'm not going to be a musician, but like I just said, maybe I can just play something in my den for my wife. Like, hey, learn this song. Uh, let me play it for you. Um, I think that was something I would have liked to share with my mom. Like, mom, this isn't all or nothing. Like, you're still good with numbers. You know, again, try to take in a course or maybe a knitting class, or maybe we should take a cooking course together because even my wife and I talked about that. Man, imagine, you know, my, my wife and myself and my mom, we all did cook and share recipes. It's like, what what if we, what if we, um, you know, went to a cooking class together? My wife and I started, this isn't sponsored, but my wife and I started using HelloFresh. Um, we like it because it, 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 you know, you only get so many recipes in your arsenal, right? You're only like, ah, oh, do we want to make tacos or spaghetti? Like stuff like that. And I think HelloFresh has kind of opened that up. And I know my mom was struggling financially. And if I could gift her a thing of HelloFresh and say, mom, just try this out. For, like I'll pay for it for, cause it's, you know, for me, you know, I'm more financially stable. Don't worry about, you know, you just got to go home and cook dinner. That's it. Don't worry about going to the store. Uh, we'll pick some nice healthy meals for you because she did have diabetes. She was diagnosed with that towards the end of her life. Here's some healthy diet options, some, you know, vegetarian options and some low carb and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, uh, try this out. And it, it would totally, I'd love to talk about that with her, you know. It would be stuff like that that I really miss um, talking about her and things like that. That's the things I miss more. Um, I focus less now on the, you know, the terrible custody hearing we went in court. I talked about that before. It crushed her. You know, her life was uh, like that. And I think, um, again, that's the big emotional thing I took away kind of researching this episode and also just saying that I miss my mom and I wanted to redo her obituary and that I don't think that, um, I don't think it should be all or nothing. And I think that's one thing I learned from, you know, uh, watching her. And I think I'm not going to talk about her death again because I think that's just rehashing what I've already talked about. You know, she, all I'll say is she started to get sick and she did the TIPS procedure. Um, but before that, she kind of bounced around a bit. I think like we all kind of do. And it isn't that I, it's kind of weird. And I don't like to use the word ironic because I think it gets thrown around a lot. 
But I'm at the point now where I've learned a lot through going through grief and I think with counseling. And I wish both my father and mother and especially my mom were around because I think some of the things I'm learning in therapy, some of the tools my wife and I have gone through as couples to do couples therapy, the things that therapist has said to us, has really struck a chord. And it's something that I could really talk to my mom about and say, listen, mom, this isn't like I could just be really honest with her and say, mom, I don't like the fact. And I said it to her, but I don't think she really got it. Uh, It took her mother calling her saying, hey, just call Joe and see how he's doing today. You know, he doesn't have to go fix something all the time. And I think for me, you know, that's what it is. It is me saying, mom, you know, like, I don't like the fact, you know, I said it to her, but I don't think she really heard it. It's like, mom, why don't you try this or that? You know, I love you. Try going to community college and trying a cooking class or try this math class that when you get your next job, you can say, well, you know, I have advanced algebra, I have advanced calculus, whatever you need. Like I don't have my CPA, but I have these business classes and it's like, oh, that's impressive. Maybe she got her AA degree, her associates, and they could say, oh yeah, you got, because I don't think she even got that. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you have that. Like we could, you know, we could weave that in and you know, say, listen, I, I don't have my CPA, but I'd really like to train. Maybe I can be uh, an underwriter or an assistant to somebody that has your CPA and really, you know, help them and pick their brains. So she maybe doesn't get to that level. But again, uh, I see to myself the idea of her biting off a little bit more than she could chew. But then instead of reassessing that and saying, oh, I need to change up my thought process just say okay so I can't do x but I need to do y I'm good at y I need to stick with y and I think as I get older I have realized that and unfortunately my mom passed away and I don't think I could tell her these things or at least articulate it to her or she couldn't articulate it to tell herself oh uh you know I can't do this and I'd like to say to everybody out there listen just because things don't work out uh the way we want them to and again I'm guilty of this uh, you know, really take a step back in a moment to say, whew, you know, I need to really reevaluate this and decide, okay, so this is better. This is, this is what I need to do. Um, again, I can't do X. I need to do Y. And really sit with yourself. I think this is another thing I want to end on. My mom always had a movie playing in the background. She, even when she was reading a book, she had a movie playing in the background or some music on or, um, noise. And I've noticed this with some people. Sometimes I can literally just sit in silence and just be there with my thoughts. I don't think it's really meditation. It's me me really just being silent. And I think there's a power in silence to excuse me, sit with yourself just with your thoughts and say, all right, so how am I feeling today? Let's check in brain. Let's see. Let's see how things going. That is invaluable. And I think my mom was incapable of doing that. You know, she had to have something on, she had to whatever, and that distraction, especially nowadays with the internet and social media and checking your feed, checking the news, all that stuff is a distraction for you to just sit quietly and say, who am I? Um, and I'm getting better about that. And I wish I could share that with my mom. Like, mom, turn the TV off, turn all this off, sit there, pet the dog, and just silently think to yourself, how am I doing today? How's Colleen? Am I better? And I, I think this is a tragedy of this whole thing. Is I, It took some of these things that happened, like the miscarriages of my mom passing away and my dad. I mean, all the tragedy took me to actually have a moment of, 
spiritual awakening, as my father would say, or, you know, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is bad, but I'm glad I got it. And I can't share these things with my parents. And to me, that's sad. I can't say, Mom, let's talk about this. And this is what I've learned through therapy. <clears throat> One of the things I wish is maybe I went to therapy a little bit sooner after my dad died, but I was in a totally crazy place and I couldn't do it. But I'll just end this by saying, I love you, Mom. Uh, I'm sad you're not here anymore, but you did teach me invaluable lessons in my life. And I heard, I've said it before, I'm quoting a friend. He said it years ago, our legacy is our children. Uh, what I leave to my kids, what they carry on, that's immortality. It doesn't have anything to do with religion. And that quote always sticks with me. So they always say, if you can't come up with a good quote yourself, I'm just stealing it from someone else. He said that and it's always stuck with me. Mom, it was, you know, you had moments of brightness in your life, some darkness like the rest of us, and I love you. And, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in God or I don't know what I believe, but I'll say that I hope you are resting peacefully. And thank you for teaching me that it is okay, again, to not be okay, like I say, and to reevaluate uh, my life and how I feel and things like that. That is what you taught me, and I'll take that away with me uh, and share it with my friends and family. And um, you know, that's your legacy, Mom. You were, you were a good mom. You, uh, again, I said it in the first episode when I talked about mom. You did teach me to tie my shoes. You did teach me to ride a bike. Uh, yeah, I remember one time. This is I know it was going to end, but I remember this story. I, um, she bought me a Hot Wheels. If you don't know what a Hot Wheels is, it's basically a battery powered. Uh, vehicle that can go maybe two miles an hour. Uh, and it's cool because you get what it feels like to you have a gas-powered device. You hit the gas. It's all electric. You got to charge it. It goes down the street. I had one that looked like a tricycle that had police things on it. And I found a hill in my area when I was young, and I went down the hill. And I went way more than two or three miles an hour. And I remember just biffing, just end over the top. Luckily, the Hot Wheels was okay. Um, but I was a wreck crying. I was really young, maybe eight or nine. And I remember going home just crying and my mom just doing the mom thing. Just give me a hug, cleaning me up, making sure I was all right. And then very quietly asking, okay, you're okay. Is the Hot Wheels okay? Because I think looking online, those things are pretty expensive. Same story uh, with a skateboard years later. I was in my teens. She bought me, somebody bought me a skateboard because uh, that's what was cool in the 90s. I totally wore my good jeans, and everybody knows the pain of this. You have school jeans, and you have good jeans. The good jeans are for the weekends. The school jeans are for your crap when you're running around, getting your jeans dirty, ripping them. Well, I wore my good jeans, and I biffed on my skateboard. So that's two mortal sins, being on my skateboard and my good jeans. And I just biffed, fell over, uh, scraped my knees on the concrete, ripped the jeans up. And I remember coming home just bawling. I was 14. I didn't care about the ugly tears. I was in pain. And my mom said, oh my God, look what you did to your jeans, which was, I remember to this day, was the first reaction to you. Not, is my son okay? Did he break his knee? Is he all right? You're fine. Shake it off. And oh my God, I have to buy you a new pair of jeans. Uh, that, maybe some people think that's a tragic story. I find it a very funny story. So mom, my jeans are fine, all right? And I buy my own jeans now, so no need you to tell me about how bad jeans are. Anyway, I love you, mom. I hope you're resting peacefully. Uh, thank you for teaching me uh, the art of reevaluation, I guess, the idea that I can change my mind and reassess how I want to be. Uh, and I think that is a good place to end it this week. Guys, um, that's been the life of CEC, Colleen Elaine Carlson.
Um, just to remind you guys, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m., so go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the show. Uh, or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, write me an email, let me know how I'm thinking. Again, that's gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Again, go there, write me something, let me know what you think of the show, how I can improve. Go to Apple iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there. It's the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson. Uh, or you can go to the Google Play Store. I'm on there, subscribe to the podcast. Like, share, subscribe. Give me the likes, the ratings there. Again, I'm an Apple guy, so I don't understand how that works. Uh, but do what you got to do there. Or you can find me on Twitter, at Just Little Joe. Go there. Uh, you know, Let me know uh, what you think of the show. I will do a better job of promoting the episode. Uh, actually, my friend texted me a few days ago and said, Hey, the last episode with you and your wife talking about those miscarriages, can I share it on social media? And I said, Yeah, you can share it on social media. You know what? I should probably share it on social media. It's my podcast. And he said, yeah, I think it's a good story and you should tell it. So uh, thank you, uh, Martin. He's been on the show. Thank you for reminding me to promote my own podcast. Uh, I will do it with this episode. um, And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Uh, Be safe and uh, be good to each other. All right. uh, Have a good week, guys. Bye. (laughs) 